This week on The Wise Guys. What you stand for and who you are. I, you know, I agree with, I agree with, I'm on the line, along the lines of Marcus saying like, you know, don't pity me and, and invest in my company because I'm black like you because because we're the same people that get pissed at white people when they stick with their and support their 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 you know True. their own businesses. We we can't we can't flip the coin when it suits us. Hmm. And I'm not also saying to not support black businesses. I'm saying support what makes sense. If you believe in what the person is doing, then you support them. Hmm. I believe that there is also a a deprived a, a deprived of. Uh, uh, mentality, or should I say, I need a better word, but uh, uh, an uh, infected mentality that that people in the community have, where you know they believe in publicizing. Yeah, I support it, or you know. Yo, yo, yo! What's up, everybody? This is Kevin Unglad, and you are now tuning in to the Wise Guys Podcast, brought to you by Flowered Concrete. Check it out. Yo, 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 what's going on? What's going on? This is your boy, Kevin Unglad. And this is Mark Pruden. And once again, we are the Wise Guys Podcast, back again for another week. Mark, what's going on, man? How you doing? Everything is great, man. It's holiday season, so, you know, it's just a real positive time. It's a time of family, you know, get things going. How about you? Absolutely, man. Same here, same here. I'm just kind of... Happy that I'm spending the season, you know, back home, you know, in New York with the family because uh, um, right now, you know, my sister's at work, my mom, I don't know where she's at, she's out and about, but I know had I been back home recording this podcast, you know, with Danielle around, she would have been just been tearing her hair out, like, come on, what are you doing? We should just be relaxing, so, um, but, uh, but no, this is very, very important, um, you know. Uh, very, very important that we get this done, you know, before the festivities really begin tonight at midnight um, to talk to, you know, our special guest today, uh, because, you know, it, you know, as busy as we are as young men, you know, it's uh, it's always a pleasure when we could just find a, a quick moment to kind of just like fellowship as brothers and kind of talk about important topics, right? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. All right, man, so I don't want to waste any more time. This uh, wise community, the guest that we have coming on the podcast today, all right? This young gentleman right here, man, he's extraordinary. Now, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of gentlemen, you know, who are within my age age range of like you know 28 to 34 that I really look up to. You know, for the most part, you know, I have a lot of uh, young men looking up to me or following me. But this guy right here, man, every time I get a chance to to pick his brain, you know, and we both live in Connecticut now, so sometimes I'll hit him up and be like, "Yo, I'm like, I I need to, I need to talk, man. I need to rap, man. I'm going through this. I'm going through that." And yo, yo, homie always reaches out, answers his phone is like yo all right cool just let me find a date where i you know where i'm chilling you know i ain't got much to do you know things are a bit quiet on my end and then you know we could you know we could link up we can you know we can rap so i'm telling you mark like i feel as if like you know we always need it's it's, it's really really important too that we have mentors you know who are around our age might be a few years older but might already be embarking upon doing some things that we want to do in terms of like starting a family and you know just building their empire from the ground up you know what i'm saying absolutely yeah, yeah man so uh Without further ado, this next guest, man, um, I went to Brooklyn College with him. While I was an undergrad, he was actually going for his master's. Um, but I'm going to uh, you know, allow him to explain that a little bit and talk about what he does, whatever, whatnot. So, ladies and gents of the WISE community, please, 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 round of applause. Please welcome our very special guest for today, my boy, none other, the man, John McLeod. John, what's going on, brother? What's going on, man? Thank you 
you for having me, both of you guys. It's an honor to be in the presence and just talking to uh, smart, intelligent brothers that doing their thing. Thank you so much for having me. No, absolutely, for sure. No, we appreciate you for coming on. John, could you please do us a favor, uh, you know, for not just Mark and myself, but for everyone out there in the WISE community, could you please give a 30-second pitch synopsis about, you know, who you are, what you do, and all that jazz? Sure. Um, I'm John McLeod. I've been, I've been a grinder all my life. Grew up in Brooklyn, New York, you know, um, Bed-Stuy in Brownsville. Hey. So uh, they taught me, taught me how to work hard and keep my head down and and, you know, had amazing, amazing family that kept me in my books and, you know, could have went in other directions. And, you know, I'm a man of God. I've always I served God all my life. I mm-hmm. will continue to serve him. You know, I'm a minister of music and a, and a minister in church. And um, that's a big, huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I got I have two degrees, one in broadcast journalism and one in television production. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, while I was in grad school, I was. Also working, had a, had a, five classes, a job, and and I was working for the New York Times at the same time as well. And from the New York Times, uh, you know, got in contact. Um, our con- my contact was Bill Roden, and um, through Bill, uh, I got the call from ESPN, is where, you know, I started off as a project employee and worked my way up. Um, got promoted, promoted a few times, and now I'm associate producer, um, uh, second in command to. Uh, the communications department where we produce, I shoot, produce, and edit a lot of uh, features for internal use or external use. Sometimes it goes on television and I get to interact with a lot of, you know, high, high performing um, people that you see on TV and people that you don't see that, that run the place. And um, besides working at ESPN, um, I'm a real estate investor. Um, I do that every single day. And, um, yeah, I'm a big family guy. I love my wife. I have a son, and actually, I have a daughter on the way. She's March 8th, uh, she'll, she'll be here. Oh, so, man. God bless. <laughs> yeah, man. Thanks so much, man. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah, My little man. boy, he's one year old, and my wife and I, we're so, we're so happy and blessed and just grateful. So, yeah, that, that you know, that's, that's my journey. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Be- no, it's yeah. very, very beautiful, man, for sure. Remind me your son's name again. Uh. I was about to call. I was about to name my godson um, Jackson. 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 I, I, so I say my godson because my godson's name is Messiah, and and he's always been like big. Everybody calls him like my first child. Yeah. And, you know, I help help raise him, and he's been around me. And everybody, you know, I'm into fitness too, so heavy into calisthenics. Everybody in the calisthenics community in New York, and they know, you know, they see me, they see him, so. He's he's currently in Atlanta, Georgia, so I kind of miss him. So oh. a lot of times when people ask, you know, it's the name of, I always go with him first, and then you know, but yeah, Jackson is my biological. Right. Hey man. Yep. Hey, he's he's as good as your son as much as Jackson. That's excellent because I remember even when you you know you took me in one day to give me a tour of the ESPN studios, you was telling me about your about your godson. So man, yeah. that's just a lot, man. Wow, wow, that's pretty pretty cool. And congrats on the uh, you know well future congrats or however they would put it you know in regards to your baby girl. <laughs> yeah. You're growing the family, man. Yeah. Wow, you're growing the family. Yeah. Nice, nice. Oh yeah, no, no wasting any time. Excellent. I'm take a break after this. Right. <laughs> Take a break, you know? Right. You know, that's a lot. A yeah, lot I could imagine. It's always a blessing. I could imagine. I could imagine, man. Hey, man. When I have all my first in regards to marriage and you know kids, you know, I, you know, you know for sure I'm gonna hit you up, brother, for some advice. Of course, of course. <laughs> for I'm sure. Always here to help. Always here to help. 
Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, first and foremost, it's so funny that you actually, cause I'm, cause I'm not even thinking about the nickname, cause, you know, obviously it's different, cause you know him personally, uh, just from what you're saying. I'm thinking about his actual name. It's so funny because today's episode is actually inspired by William C. Roden, Bill Roden. So it's so funny how he hooked you up. And, wow. And he was like your mentor. That's crazy. Wow. Oh wow! Really? Yes, wow, yes. I mean that. Wow. I mean that a hundred percent. This whole, like, even like some of the articles that I have from the undefeated, they're coming right from uh, Bill Roden's articles, and like he's even inspired me to come up, come up with. I'm not going to say it on air, but he's even inspired me to come up with a certain idea for my uh, PhD dissertation. God willing, I get into a PhD program in the next year or so. But yeah, man. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, let me know. Like, cause, you know, like he and I, like, we're really close. Like if you ever want to meet and sit down and talk, he's an awesome dude. We 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 go talk we go talk about this one day off. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna stand I'm not gonna stand out right now. I want I want to make sure we 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 take care of business first. But we go we go stand up we go talk about this off here. Um, for sure, when I'm ready, I'll let you know. Um, okay, cool, cool. Wow, I, I can already feel the power in regards to how great this episode is going to be. Excellent, excellent. So, gentlemen, let's get right into it. All right, I don't want to waste any more time. So, the first segment of today's show is called Athletes in Education K through 12. All right, Athletes in, in Education K through 12. So when I say K through 12, I'm talking about kindergarten to 12th grade, all right? So, um, fellas, whether it's AAU, you know, uh, junior high, elementary, high school basketball, or CYO basketball, uh, the first question to you both, um, and I'm going to actually start off with John first. Uh, the first question is, do parents as well as the community make the mistake of putting athletics before academics when it comes to their children? I'm going to say yes and no. Okay. Yes, because um, education is always the most, one of the most powerful things that a child can get, whether you whether you mean to do it or not, you're educating your child. Mm-hmm. Um, the most important thing is that they get the right education and push them in the right direction that can foster, you know, effective development, you know, innovative thinking, and pushing the limits on the boundaries that society has already set up. Mm-hmm. No, because I believe that, you know, athleticism and the outlet for for kids. K through 12 to develop and learn social skills and to just to interact and become team players. That stuff is important for the workplace that they're about to enter into. Mm-hmm. You know that you know a lot of a lot of kids. Everybody's not going to make it to the league. Right. I learned that. I learned that real quick. Mm-hmm. And Me too. <laughs> when when you get to that when you get to that point, like when that plan is up, you have to have a uh, you have to have that plan B, which is actually plan A for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. A lot of kids that allows them to effectively, you know, dive into the workplace and be effective team players. Now, the reason why the reason why I have to answer both is because, you know, there there are pros and cons to doing both of those things. Focusing on it is is important because you teach your kids how to be a team player, how to work with a team, how to dominate their lane, their position, like every sport has. Bad because, you know, too much emphasis on it alienates the backup plan, which mm. is actually the real plan. Because right. unless you have unless you have no other choice, which is I always say you always have another choice. If basketball or football or baseball or your know, hockey is all that you have, which is not actually true, then you see those those spectacular athletes come out. Mm. Just look at LeBron James, right. Akron, Ohio. 
he had every like he he it was it was bad, and he he has this guy gift gift that he goes straight into and dominated. Right. I guarantee you, there's other kids that went through that. That you know what, you know they were nice, but they just weren't as good as he is. Mm-hmm. But now he flipped it later on in years where he switched to education because education is actually what keeps the athleticism going. Right. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Wow, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, Mark, what are your thoughts? Yeah, for sure. I can I can totally agree with this brother um, when it comes to both sides because I, I believe it truly depends on what the environment is like for that that person. Like if I grew up in a very poor, you know, urban area, sometimes parents subconsciously uh, ingrain that into their kids that the only way you're going to obtain wealth or, or power is by either being an entertainer, by rapping, you know, dancing, singing, or basketball, sports. So, you know, when a child grows up in an area without a lot of opportunity, or they think there's not a lot of opportunity, they can sometimes believe the only way they can get to that high status is through entertainment or sports. So um, it, it would depend, because if someone grew up in a family of professionals and they were surrounded by people that actually have reached success without going the entertainment route, that gives them an idea that, okay, I can do more than, than sports. I can do more than basketball. They, that child may, may be on the basketball team at their school, but they know that's not their one and only chance at success. They know that I can be a police officer like my dad, or I can be a lawyer or a doctor or a, you know executive of some type. So it truly depends on the environment that the kid grows up in because uh, – you know, you don't have to tell them what their options are. They can they can see what their options are based on the people around them. Yeah. So I think that the environment has a huge effect on on children. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. John, do you remember the time? Um, you know, I asked you to come down to my school to, for career day and speak to the kids. And I remember you were. I do. Yeah, and I remember you were talking to the kids. You know, um, about what you do, whatever, whatnot. And then you kind of altered. I remember you telling me this. You kind of altered or adjusted like your presentation for them, and you started breaking down to them like you know the amount of insane hours that Kobe would put in in order to get his reps up and in order to be as effective and as dominant as he was on the court. And you know, you talked about how much time went into it and they kind of just looked at you and they were just like they were like you know mouth agape just surprised at all of that stuff and didn't and and that even at the same time I think you told me that you know they still were trying to process that wow like this is all the work I got to do and you mean to tell me it's not going to be that easy I can't just be a star just running with the ball up the court and and because you know the kids think that when they see it on TV the athletes make it look so effortless but um, I think even when how you explained it to me, you pretty much put it in a lens or perspective for them to let you know, like, well, I hope you guys have another plan because this ain't the only route. And if it is, you guys better go hard or go home because you're gonna be, you know, you're gonna be sent home crying, trying to get it. Yeah, yeah no, I remember that because I remember uh, there, was, there, was a, there was a couple of two, just two little kids, two little guys that were just, you know, they swore that they were the cream of the crop, they were gonna be nice, and this and the third. And they said, you know, and they they were asking questions along the lines of like, you know, well, you know, if, you know I can do it regardless. And I said, absolutely, you can. Don't let anybody else tell you that you can't. But I want to give you, I want to give you some some reality too. I said, you know, when you're trying, somebody else is trying too. So what is your plan B? I said, and, you know, it's always great to put your eggs and put a lot of eggs in one basket, but it's never great to put all your eggs in one basket. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's it's more important to be structured and have a foundation than it is to to build on what you know a foundation a foundation that is unstable and unsure. It's mm-hmm. always important to say, you know, I, I 
I tell my family, my 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 young my young cousins this all the time. They ask, you know, how did you get to ESPN? And they say, I said, well, you know, or they or they tell me, well, you can do this because you you went to you you work here or you've done this, you've done that. And I said, well, to be honest with you, you know, the name sounds great, but the hard work sounds better. Right. They ask, it's like, I think because there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of hours time staying up till 3 o'clock in the morning 4 o'clock in the morning staying up the entire day to get stuff done for a project that's going to end in a couple of days and guess what you got to do something like that again mm. now you got to you got to make a decision and a lot of and I feel like a lot of kids and yeah, a lot of you especially K through 12 you I think you, you were you, you both were touching on it it's the dream that drives them in the beginning but right. the kids and the kids that make it or get to wherever they want to go it's the plan that keeps them. So there's there's the dream that starts it. Then there is the plan and structure, and somebody to push that plan, like a parent, older brother, sister, you know, mom. That like somebody structures the plan for them, and then they continue to carry it out. But guess what? In that, the next step is always all right. But you have to do the work. Yeah. And I think a lot of kids get caught up, and I was one of them, one of those kids that get caught up on the dream. And believe that the dream is going to fill me until I get to it, mm-hmm. whatever that it is. And a lot of kids don't have the reality, or a lot of people, they're not hearing the reality. Yeah, you can have the dream, but not before you go through all of this. Right. And make it through all of this. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. So uh, my second question for you all. Um, Mark, I'm actually going to start off with you this time, and then I'm going to allow uh, John to respond uh, afterwards. Okay. Um, so, how important how important is education for athletes prior to going pro and while becoming professional athletes? I, I don't, you know, what I don't think that question provides or serves any justice. So, how important is education, business education, for athletes prior to going pro and while becoming professional athletes? So, I'm, what I'm trying to get at here is, you know, college and as well as, you know within the profession as well. Like, you know, how do they know how to go about managing their money, budgeting, saving, and, you know, putting their money in the right places? What do you guys think, Mark? Well, I mean, it's extremely important, but like, like you said, it's something that's not not really being done, you know, before they reach the NBA, because I know, like, the NBA has programs regarding, you know, you know, teaching them basic things like managing their money and stuff like that, giving them access to different professionals and finance, but... Yeah, it's, it's terrible that we don't receive financial education as a whole, you know, from high school and in college, because these athletes they have to they have to realize that they are a business and they have to manage it as such. You know, you have to watch the decisions you make, whether you know it's you know, of course, off the court stuff like just like preventing certain decisions that would damage your brand. You know, be, being careful on social media, being careful what you post. And then, like you said, when it comes to finance, you know, they're going to, these are, most of the time, these athletes come from backgrounds that, you know, don't have a lot of money, don't have a lot of wealth. And um, when they get that influx of money, when they become professionals, it's a shock. And it's something that they've never experienced. And even like, if you, even if you do receive financial education in high school, it's a, it's a lot different when you receive millions of dollars. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's easy to read a book, but to actually practice what you've read, that that's a test all in itself. So um, it's it's a shame that you know we don't receive this financial education in high school and college. But I believe that's that's all by design. Mm-hmm. 
That's that's my opinion on that. John. I think I can I definitely I definitely can agree with Mark. I think in addition that it is it is extremely important because to Mark's point, when you come when you don't come from money and you're handed money, a lot of people don't know what to do with it. I I, I like to look at it this way. You have to when you get twenty bucks for your birthday, you're figuring out like, okay, oh, I want to buy what this thing that I'm, you know, this game, this this toy, and then you then you get to the store and you realize, all right, if I spend all this money on this toy or this thing, it's all gone. Mm-hmm. And, then you, and then you then you then you think twice. Do I really need it? It is in that moment, that small moment, that a lot of kids go through. That is the basis of financial literacy for adults. Right. It is the discipline, it is the structure, and it is the focus of your money that allows it to grow. When you're handed, uh, when you're handed uh, uh, a two hundred million dollar con- a contract or a bump that a ten million dollar contract, rookie contract, you got to see your lawyer is going to help or your agent is going to help give you up because you have you have to pay your agent, you have to pay certain you know. You turn that amount of that is taxed. Then another part of that is you know going into you know your legal fees and stuff like because you know if you're doing this stuff you, you if you're doing it you know correctly you're not trying to do it on your own you have to pay for services mm-hmm. and then you also have to look into all right my money has to grow grow and it has to go into places that are effective because Uncle Sam is going to hit me every time if I'm not doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, and you get to pay for education, and education in the sense where, all right, let me talk to other people with money that have done it longer. I'm in real estate, and one of the things that I do in real estate is I help people, you know, I help people sell their homes, and I help people, you know, make decisions on, okay, what's the best way to do this? And a lot of times what I see is I see a lot of homeowners that focus on the money that they're going to get. And don't and they don't remember the things that come out of it. Like for example, the six percent realtor fee, the the holding costs, the closing costs, the taxes that were prorated from before. Mm. Like and and they they focus on well, I'm not I'm only going to accept this amount or I'm only going to and they when you when you get money at a certain level, the principal must apply. Invest invest in yourself. Invest. In, in the plan that you have to create to help that wealth build because the, the option is this. What happens when your knees no longer allow you to jump, move fast, or at all? What what happens when you, you know, the money stops flowing in, when you're not the best player in the league? What happens when you're not the most courted? What happens when the next best thing comes up? That's where I admire LeBron James because what did he do? He opened up the school. That's also a tax write-off. What did he do? He, he's helping his community. He went back. He has his own clothing line. He has a partnership, a lifetime partnership with Nike. Lifetime. Meaning after basketball is done for him, he still has a way to pay his family. So yeah, this, this, yeah, there's ways to set. This, the thing is a lot of athletes, it's like winning the lottery. 85% of lottery winners go broke. 
because they don't know what to do with it once they have it. If I ever win the lottery, not that I would ever play, I'm going back to work. Why? Because I love my job. I love the people. But more so, until I have a plan, I'm not going to sit around and idle. But I also <laughs> need to educate people. Yeah, people need to educate. That's how you set yourself up. Right. Yeah, like, well, you got all this time. I got this money. I'm going to Bermuda. I'm going to Aruba. Yeah. 10 Aruba trips later, you now you're like looking at your bank statement. And now you're looking at the taxes that you owe come tax time. Absolutely. And that, and that money is funny. Yeah. So, so I think it's like the structure is important that, you know, and but understanding, like, educate yourself. One last one thing I would one last thing I would say is whether you whether you you know you can play a sport or not whether you're an athlete or not whether you have money coming to you or not the 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 principle this thing stays the same money or not go to people that have done it at a high level and are still doing it or have been successful and learn from them the thing is. The most important thing you can do is continue to learn, because people's like people always say like people like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. Oh, that's that's ridiculous, that's unattainable. Warren Buffett has ninety nine streams, excuse me, ninety two different streams of income. Absolutely, ninety two. Dang! Wow. Different <laughs> streams of income. <laughs> yeah. People hype. We're we're hyped to get three streams of income. So it, it's important that you got to understand, like, this man has a structure. Bill Gates has a structure. Steve, like, Steve Jobs had a structure. A lot of people don't know that he owned Pixar and while owning Apple at the same time. Wow, I didn't know that. Did not know that. So, I yeah, think that ended was, up being more profitable than Apple, like, when it yeah, comes to his, his shares. Yep. Exactly. Look look what it did. Yeah. And when he sold it to Bob Iger and one of his best friends, his family and his company it's, it's still like he set I mean you know you know God rest his soul but he's his family is set that legacy is set but why because there's a structure and there's a plan to the money and he was around people that did it the best he knew what he was good at but he went around people that did it great mm-hmm. and then when you we can't and that's a mistake too a lot of people make they, they surround themselves with the same people I'm not saying ditch your friends. You can still be around them, but you got to be careful because they don't know how to operate with money on that level. Mm-hmm. And exactly. how can you learn from somebody that doesn't know what they're doing? Right, right. Oh, wow. Definitely. Yeah, we always like to say that on the show. Well, I like to say this when it comes to money, essentially. It's like most of the time, all the advice that we're getting about money is from other poor people. We need to see mentors that have actually done it. It's the blind leading the blind. That's so... That's that's so many. That's so true. I yeah. can't even tell you how true that is. Right, right. It's it's amazing, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I want to keep the conversation flowing. This is you know we're starting off really, really, really good. Um, so you know what? I want to connect it to um, you know, I don't know the man, so I'm gonna call him William C. Roden. Even when I meet him, hello, Mister William C. Roden. How you doing, sir? <laughs> <laughs> Just to be respectful. Um. 
So the reason why I say that is because I was reading his book over the summer, man, an excellent book, uh, the, the one that's very uh, famous, um, you know, The $40 Million Slave, $40 Million Slaves. And oh, yeah. in the book itself, you know, he talks about that once athletes, you know, once athletes, you know, are, you know, taken upon a situation in which, like, you know, they find themselves being branded, you know, when playing for AAU or they find themselves, you know, you know, uh, being ranked on ESPN and... And, 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 you know, they're being courted by all of these different schools and whatnot. They are instantly on this thing called the conveyor belt. So the, can't, the conveyor belt itself in, in, in its iteration or the idea of it is the conceptualizing of a player being commodified as a, as a, uh, as, as a way of a product or goods in order for the services uh, to, to, to exchange his services for that of an organization. You know, so with that being said, you know, MLB, you have NBA, you have NFL. So um, I think it was really interesting, right? Right? That you you know you think of like wow like these uh, these these young men being manufactured a certain type of way you know uh, by the society in order to entertain and in and in order to dazzle you know in terms of their athletic and their and their you know their their abilities their gifts and so I say all that to say. Uh, this segment is called Athletes as Commodities for Business, all right? So Athletes as Commodities for Business. Um, so the underlying idea is that athletes, especially black athletes, should be grateful for being paid to play a game. That is a quote from Mr. William C. Roden himself. And then he quoted, uh, well, I'm quoting him from one of uh, his articles in The Undefeated. Um, he was writing about uh, free agency last year in which Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you know, shifted the dynamic of the leagues by by going to go play for the Los Angeles Clippers. He notes Oscar Robinson's uh, Oscar Robertson sued at the NBA for free agency in 1970 as president of the National Basketball Players Association. And by 1976, two seasons after he retired, players were able to shop their talents on the open market. Athletes are born free, and they already live much of their athletic lives as free agents. They have choices and make choices: which middle school to attend, which AAU program to play for, which high school school to attend. The best of the lot have colleges begging for their services, as I've previously mentioned. And even those athletes who do not get offers from their first and second choices can choose between third and fourth different choices of schools. So that leads into my next question, uh, gentlemen. Is there a need right now, um, or at this point uh, in, 20, in 2019, 2020, is there a need for drafts in professional sports? Are they, are they taking away the freedom that young athletes have worked so hard to attain? Should athletes have to be confined the first five, ten years in a city in terms of being dictated of where to live, where they're going to stay, and where they're going to practice, train, and, and who they're going to represent as an organization? What are your thoughts? I'll start off with you first, John. That, 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 that's, a heavy, that, that's a heavy topic. Um, because in some instances, very deep, there's a there's a slavery, uh, you know, connotational connection. Mm-hmm. Um, in other instances, there is a a political connotation. Now, so now when I say, you know, obviously, yeah, being drafted, uh, you're being chosen by an organization to play for them as a prize player to bring up there to increase, you know, television ratings to increase. Um, seats in the stands to increase uh, ticket purchases, food purchases, you're being brought there to increase that team's value. Mm-hmm. 
but you're also being placed on display to showcase the talent that you fostered and you've developed and that you've built over time. Right. And which gives you the ability to be, you know, to play the game, so to speak, in a political aspect, aspect when it's time for a quote-unquote free agency. I, I believe that it is, it is both needed and but also needs to be altered. Needed because when you already have established entity, like for example, the NBA. Mm-hmm. In its inception, maybe no, maybe it is, maybe we could argue say no, we don't need a draft. Let let players come and try out. We would not do a draft. But now we're talking about 2019-2020 where there are already established players that dominate the game and 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 franchises and, and cities that that need the next star, the next Michael Jordan, the next LeBron James. And I think the draft lottery allows them allows players to to just allow that connection between player and ownership or player and an organization, I should say, to say, hey, look, we're going to take a chance on you as you give us your talent and devote, you know, devote your talent to us to help build this up. Now, in that, you also have the choice to go wherever you want to go when your contract is up or if we decide that, hey, it's not working out with your value is at this point we want to trade you for something that's better for the organization. There's the business aspect. What I what I think hurts the societal aspect is it paints let's 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 go back let's go back a couple questions to the K through twelve um, kids that come up with the mindset of okay I'm going to be the next LeBron James. Mm-hmm. There is this mindset and there is this painted picture of all right, if I go number one overall, if I go top ten, I get this amount. If I go if I go in the second round, some of my money isn't guaranteed or, or anything like that. I may not have a choice, and that creates a division mentally and, 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 and business-wise because now it's, hey, if you aren't good enough to get in the first round, who knows how your career will go. If, and... And then we start dealing with a whole bunch of other things like, all right, all right, you know, am I actually good enough? You know, and remember, you can be great enough and the media will focus on somebody else that they think is great enough. It's greater, it's better than you. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's almost like, like I was saying political because you could be fantastic. Like, for example, Isaiah Thomas, number 60 overall pick during the lockout. Right. Picked by the Kings turned out to be one of the best. There were not thirty players better than him in that draft. Yep. Because forty of those players aren't stars. Yeah. Forty of them. He's made more money in the last five years than they have in their entire career. Mm-hmm. Thirty of them, excuse me, twenty of them don't even have NBA careers anymore. Yeah. So my thing is, it, it, yeah, it's needed because it allows your that, that athlete that works hard, that got noticed, that pushed them out there to have the chance that one, they could change their family's life instantly. 
and they, they put themselves on display, and they also have a choice to go elsewhere if they're good enough. But two, it also it creates that divide, and the politics in it really destroys the the the, the psyche of K through twelve because they believe, like, hey, look, they they really believe that that dream, the hoop dream, like I can do it. Yeah. And if I get high enough, this draft means everything. Some people I've watched, I've worked the NBA draft for about three years now, and I've seen guys cry because they didn't get their name called. What they don't realize is, for example, Ben Wallace, four-time defensive player of the year. If I've served, my knowledge serves me correct, he was undrafted. Yeah. Yep, that's correct. So, but but what 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 did, what did people what did the NBA teach young players about the NBA draft is the is the moment that you wait for to start your NBA career, not the G League, not overseas, not no. When you get your name called and you shake David Stern's hand or now Adam Silver, that is the moment. It's like gra- if you don't get to that moment, did you actually do it? It's like graduation day. Mm-hmm. Like a, I was gonna say, just like college, like a form, like a form of acknowledgement. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. They believe it's needed. It's, I, like I say, yes, and and but I also say like there there needs to be some kind of some revamp, some kind of change there. That's that's interesting, Mark. I'm I'm gonna get your thoughts in a second. That's interesting because um. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I think when I was reading the article the, the other day to prepare for this podcast episode, I think the executive director of the National Basketball uh, Players Association right now, or the union itself, is uh, Michelle Roberts. I could be wrong. I know I have her first name right, but I'm not too sure about her last name. But I think it's Michelle Roberts, if I recall correctly. And she said that um, we need to do something about this draft system and it needs to be dismantled because you know you have your fa- you know you know kids come with their families and every and every and, and everyone you know. <laughs> from like boyfriend girlfriend down to their mama you know their their children and you know like and and they parade the you know the the day and they celebrate it so we need to like figure out a way how to dismantle this and make sure we can find some form of equity because it shouldn't be seen as a holiday right now it's being paraded as if it's a holiday i, I thought that was just interesting just that comment she made itself um for for mentally and intellectually it did a lot for me uh, as i was thinking about it but yeah mark what are your thoughts on that man is there a need for drafts in professional sports today well I would say yes, only for the reason that it, it helps establish a balance of power. You know, if a team is in need of, of some help talent-wise or, or, you know, just to bring in ticket sales and stuff like that, you do need to help the, the lesser teams that have, that have had bad years in the past. You know, just so that they, their business can receive almost like a stimulus plan to thrive in the future seasons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not always guaranteed that that player's that player will be who they think he will be, but it gives them a chance, you know, like a stimulus package in a sense. You know what I mean? Right. So I think it is needed because each team is a business essentially, and if you have struggling businesses under that um, NBA umbrella, you need to somehow help them out. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the players, I can see how how it could be detrimental, but also it could be a positive note as well because, you know, these guys are building their brand in junior high school, high school, and college. And it, it almost rewards the, the players that have effectively built their brand and really uh, established a reputation for a certain skill set or talent level. So I think it, it does reward the players for the hard work that they've done. But but yes, the media can sometimes 
play a hand in, you know, putting the light on others, on some players and not others. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it's – yeah, I, just, I have to say it, it, it works for now. It does work. But, but yes, there's, uh, there's some players that do fall out of the draft that should be drafted. But um, I don't know. It's just – it's a tough one. It's a really tough one. But I'd say that there is a need for the draft. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Excellent. Excellent. How y'all feeling so far? So so far so good. Yeah. Yeah, man. Excellent. Excellent. I got a couple more questions, uh, and I, I'd love to, you know, uh, you know, pick apart, you know, your thoughts and ideas on this. Okay. So, um, in a couple of years from now, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of speaking here. In a couple of years from now, the uh, both, you know, the owners and as well as the NBA pl- uh, Players Union will be at odds. Uh, well, well, they're at odds now, but they might further be at odds in terms of coming across an agreement um, for the collective bargaining agreement. As it, uh, uh, I think, as of right now, it currently planned. It's it's uh, due to expire uh, after the 2023-24 season or 2022-2023 season, vice versa, um, one or the other. But um, the issue here is that the owners are having strong feelings about these players that they're investing in that's taking um you know you know that's taking the <laughs> the time out to say you know what I don't want to be here anymore I want to go team up and pair up with my buddy who I've possibly played AAU with or I've played with in all-star games or you know I just happened to I've built in a relation you know a relationship with an organic relationship whether in person or overseas for FIBA or at the Olympics or whatnot and you know I want to stack you know my teams and you know and and and, and possibly play for a championship and me just playing for a a, a mid-tier level team that is constantly in purgatory in terms of making the playoffs and not getting past the first second round is detrimental to what I'm trying to build and leave leave in terms of my legacy behind. So what what's happening is we, you know as you both as both of you men know we have a, a, a influx of a lot of young players who are banding together and forming their own dynasties or whatnot or what they think might be uh, a dynasty. So um, the question is. Should athletes, matter of fact, this is a two-part question, but I'm going to start with the first one. Should athletes have the right to exert their free agency and not be loyal to an organization because of the fact that they are franchise players? We all saw how it started with, you know, LeBron, you know, uh, in the words of Dan Gilbert, quote-unquote, spurning Cleveland uh, for Miami as he led Miami to two championships. And then later on in 2016 with Kevin Durant as he joined a 73-win team. What do you men think? I'll start off with you again, John. Um, should athletes have the right to exert their free agency in this day and age and not be loyal to an organization because of the, of the fact that they are quote-unquote franchise players? Absolutely. Absolutely no question about it because when it's said and done, the number one thing that you hear when athletes, athletes get quote-unquote spurned is it's a business. Hmm. So when, when we look at the how LeBron James did it, you know, he gave them seven years of his career. He took them to the championship. They didn't hold up their end of the bargain and give him players to win. And when and and and, and he has every right to go and and cause remember seven years. You're talking about a lot of players don't even make it three years in the league. That's true. He gave Cleveland seven years. Michael Jordan went to didn't get to a championship until you know didn't get to the playoffs for about seven years. Yeah. And guess what? He he stuck it out with Chicago, but they got they got Scotty, they got Rodman, they got they got players. Yeah. The thing is, again, they like to use the term "oh, it's a business" when you get traded. 
but they get they like to get an attitude when you say, "Oh no, it's a business. I'm going here." Yeah. So I think it's it's important to for for people to realize that one, they are in control of their own lives and destinies once they hit free agency. A lot of you know a lot of people misconstrued it. I I will say and you know they they do have uh they, the the well I should say the the organization has a vested interest in that specific player and legal you know documents and and bylaws um, you know tie that player to that organization for the period of their contract but there are little there are little nuances like a no trade clause or something like that or just the termination of the contract or a player option that allows that gives players back some of their power to go wherever they want mm-hmm. and there's and and we've seen it how Anthony Davis has done it where he said you know what I'm not doing it I'm not doing it this year I'm not I'm not playing and look you know what to do trade me <laughs> the players have recently started to you know take back their power and start to utilize their power and they absolutely should because if we're not, if we're not, if we're not, if they're not doing, if they're not effectively, if they're not effectively using what they have in their talent, their, their abilities for the NBA or whatever sport they're playing, then they're basically it. It belongs to the league. Yeah. I will. I will also say that it is something where, hey, you know. There is a bad that agreement where they say, "Look, you're going to play for our team, and we're going to pay you." There is that worker-employee agreement, but the leagues have a notorious history of exploiting their players when it's convenient for them to make more money. And now the players have, and they should have, they have all along, but they're more so users now have the right to use their 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 talent, their likeness and their abilities to further benefit them. Because the first thing that society will say as soon as they finish that, well, you didn't win a championship. Well, you well, well, you didn't do this. Well, you weren't able to... They will pick it apart. A fantastic career, they will pick it apart. So should they have the ability to do, to, to to leave or, or, or do... Trade? No, they should not have to be loyal. I believe in loyalty, but... Loyalty is a two-way street, right? And it has to be re- reciprocated. And, and loyalty also comes with comes with experience and time and respect. Your star players need talent around them. If they're coming to you and they're saying that, you cannot increase your following. You cannot increase the likeness of your franchise, regardless of what sport you're in, if you do not put butts in the seat, put fans in the seat. And one player, it's not the '90s anymore. One player isn't going to do it. And let's be real. Final thought, Michael Jordan should have been the highest paid player ever. Yeah, yeah. But he wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Uh, Mark, sound off. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with John for sure. But when I think about it from a business perspective, I look at it like this. Do the employees run the business? Never. That would never happen. And if I had a McDonald's and my employee says, hey, Mark, I want to transfer to another location, I have the right to say no. I have to deny that transfer. So from a business perspective, when the employees start running the business, that can create chaos. Now there's really no control. 
And uh, it, it really can damage your business because if I if I have a restaurant like McDonald's and all of my best employees want to run to another location, and now I'm dealing with subpar employees, I'm going to be upset because they're, they're, you're affecting my business. So I feel like if if the employees are going to begin running the the establishments, they have to start their own league. It's the only way because it's it's getting out of control. And if I was a player. Of course I would want to have free agency. Of course I would want to have all the rights uh, to, to go wherever I please. But as a business owner, it's, it's a horrible concoction. It can, it can really cause chaos. And it is, it is chaos in the league right now, especially when we have the um, – well, I can't use Golden State as an example because they did draft a lot of those players. But the super team situation where, you know, players are stacking on, on certain teams and then you have teams like Cleveland that are left, left in the dust with nothing and – there, you know, it's just it. It really does create a big problem, you know, from a from a business owner's perspective. It's just the inmates can't run the, you know, run the, the what they say the the, the the mentally ill can't run the asylum. You know, you just can't have the employees running the business. I, I feel like they should have all the rights to their um, to their likeness and to their brand, but I really do feel like we need to create our own league because. I can't be mad at a business owner that is that has that has a problem with his best players or best employees running to another establishment. Mm-hmm. I, I can I say one more thing? Absolutely, John. Go ahead, counter. <laughs> Mark, I, I agree and I love your perspective because you're absolutely right. Business owners they hate it. And some of them love it. Because if if, if your establishment is the is the is the organization that they're running to Mm-hmm. That business is booming. Mm. When, right, you're right. The, when you're the owner of the team that they're leaving, you are in for a world of pain. And we brought up Dan Gilbert, mm-hmm. and I believe that there's a there's a un, there's a, an intangible there in this whole type of in this whole conversation that a lot of people don't touch on, and it's the health of the organization. Right. Think about it. Look, for example, I'm a New York Knicks fan, so. You know how much pain we go through. Oh, yeah. And the, reason, and the reason why we go through that pain Preach, brother. is because of the leadership. The corporate leadership is horrible, but yeah. nobody wants to come here. Yeah. Right. But then you look at look at the Los Angeles Lakers. They went through, I don't know what they went through. And look, they ended up with LeBron, you know, Anthony Davis, yeah. Rajon Ron, like all these players. So you mean to tell me so that should and that should tell a lot of people like yeah both both sides deserve their rights the owners deserve their rights and the players deserve their rights there should be a choice regardless and there should be legalities to lock in those choices and make them beneficial to both parties at this at a, at a point in time right but at the end of the day there's that untangible those unwritten rules that you have to have a healthy environment for the player and the business to coexist, and you won't have look, you won't have people trying to leave. Look at Giannis. I'm gonna be yeah. honest with you. I think he's gonna leave. Yeah. I think it's gonna be a tough decision because he loves the environment, the people. They treat him well. You don't hear anything about the owner. You're here, and they're fighting. The, the, you know, they kept his players around him. But to win a championship is gonna be very difficult. Mm-hmm. But you look at the players like, and, and and then we also forget that these players also have lives. LeBron went back to L, he went to L A because his son, his business is out there, and his son, the best 
school, the best school in the country, is out there for his son. Yeah. So it works for him business wise. So I think like there's those couple of intangibles. But yeah, Mark, I you know, I agree. This it, it works well if if you're the if you're the team organization that the players want to come to. It's a nightmare if you if you're the one that they're leaving. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. But do you think that? Do you see NBA players as employees, though? Or is it like, do you see them as like an independent contractor type situation? I, I believe they're independent contractors. Right. I would have said, I, let, me, let me say this. I think, I think there are two sets. There are independent contractors. Those are the, the players that are the cream of the crop. Or they're A to B level. And then they're employees. Players right. that, that hold on, they get... They're getting a paycheck from the NBA, but they are not star players, hmm. and and they need to fill in the roster. Those are employees. So you're saying there's tiers. Contractors are, the, yeah. You're saying there's tiers. Yeah, there's tiers. Oh, definitely. Okay. Giannis is an independent contractor. LeBron, an independent contractor. Hmm. Kyle Korver is an employee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a fact, man. Well, I never thought of it that way. Because you get so caught up in everything else that you don't really think about those things, you know? Uh, but, yeah, it, just, it boils down to uh, dollars and cents. Excellent, excellent. I love it. Um, all right, so, you know, we're, we're so I really like what you're saying. Uh, we, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, business when it comes to athletes. And I brought up, you know, this idea uh, of athletes, be, you know, being commodities, um, again, shout out to Mr. Williams. He wrote him. All right. Uh, <laughs> because of, uh, you know, him saying that athletes are put on a conveyor belt by the time they're young and they're manufactured to be a certain type of way. So that way, when they get into the league, they're grateful to be there. They're doing, you know, they're, they're, they're putting on a show and, um, you know, they're entertaining the crowd and they're, you know, making millions and generating billions of dollars for the owners and, you know, everyone from all the right. employees within the arenas all the way down to everyone in the organization as well as the players. Um, so, um, what I wanted to bring up now, uh, and we're headed towards the latter half of the show. We're almost there. Um, I wanted to let's see here. I wanted to I, I wanted to talk about what we spoke about a few days ago, Mark. Uh, remember, I brought up that Dame Dash interview, and he was saying that you know peel back the hood in regards to a lot of your favorite uh, corporate entities, and you will see. Um, I want I wanted I, I want I want to challenge you a bit, um, John. Uh, so you brought up. You brought up LeBron's uh, Nike deal earlier, his lifetime deal with Nike. And, Mark, we had a conversation about it. Um, do you think that Nike deal in the long term, uh, John, um, ultimately hinders him as opposed to helping him? Because if that's a lifetime deal, he doesn't necessarily own his own time, right? I mean, LeBron could be 20, 30 years out, you know, retired, like 50, 60. If Nike says, hey, we, we need you to come do this commercial, he's got to go do it. So what I'm trying to say is, are athletes such as LeBron or even Michael Jordan having a chance to really own their own products? Like, I don't even know if Jordan necessarily owns his own likeness in terms of Jordan. What do you think about that? Do you think that they're being swindled out of their own likenesses? No, I think they agree to it. Hmm. I think they understood that, you know, the immediate, the immediate, um, the immediate uh, action, uh, reaction, and the and the future reaction and, and repercussions that come into becoming a lifetime employee of an organization. Here's one thing: a lot of that that situation only goes to special players. 
and that special player right now is LeBron James. Um, and with that contract, I again I'm without knowing the intricate details. Of course, of, of course, we're just speculating in the, in the clauses. Mm-hmm. I would say that it is catered to his his likeness, and more so when he's finished with basketball, he's going to get into the heart of that. Mm. I think I think it pays. What happens is it pays the bills, and it keeps because we we were talking about earlier the the streams of income. Right. Because remember, when he's finished, his kids are going to be doing their own thing and doing his life, and he still has. The bills don't stop. Yeah, he just deals with bills on a level that you know, you know, neither of no, no, nobody on this podcast is gonna is gonna be able to to, to understand because there's levels to that. Absolutely. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, the numbers may change, but there the responsi- responsibility stays the same. Mm-hmm. He has responsibility as as a father, as a husband, and as a business owner to keep the money flowing. So that lifetime deal is. Is, is a chess move that's going to pay off later. And when I look at it, when it, when you ask the question, the first thing that pops into my head is is basically, you know, are you are you signing like you said, are you signing your life away, or are you signing up for your life? And the difference in the difference between those two things, there's a there's one bucket where, you know, depending on the player and the person, you benefit from that, and your family benefits from that. Depending on their organization, Nike is a great organization where they treat their employees very well. So if he's going to have you know a good time, but you know I'm not sure about any other organization because sometimes it can be presented as you know lifetime contract and and then you are you know in in year twenty of that contract they said up oh, you know we cut your expenses to this much because your contribution is this much. Mm-hmm. See now, what a lot of people we won't we won't talk about is when you when you sign that 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 contract or when you get that agreement or that endorsement is what does that do for your brand now? What does it do for your brand in the future? And how is that going to affect my ability to sustain income or duplicate my income um, now and in the future? There's mm-hmm. two right. two schools of thought now with. Now, with the immediate decision, yes, give me that sign bonus so I can go pay off whatever debt I have or to lock in this other investment. Cool. But there's responsibilities and duties that also come into play immediately and later. And I think those are the things that you have to factor. But it's a choice. Mm -hmm. But I I think we should also focus on the fact that it's a choice given to select people. Mm. and And to get there, it is it, it takes a lot of grit and hard work. Giannis, he has a sponsorship with Hulu and a sponsorship with JBL, mm-hmm. and and those things are going to pay dividends pay dividends for him right now. Why? Because he's the, he's turning into the face of the league. Who was that a couple of years ago? LeBron. That was Steph Curry. Oh, Steph Curry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, that was Steph Curry, and LeBron. LeBron is sustained his he's sustained it throughout. Yeah, throughout. You're right. Because he's because he's on a different level. Remarkable. Yeah. In some instances, or in a lot of business aspects. Besides actual sales, he surpassed Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Jordan, Jordan, I think Jordan might take the cake on sales because for some, like they will buy his sneakers till the end of time. Yes. <laughs> but 
when it comes to like actually entrepreneurship, LeBron James has done some phenomenal things that have generated money for him mm-hmm. and endorsements and partnerships. A lot of his deals are partnerships, which really change the game. Yeah, because endorsement means you're endorsing my product, and you have to do these things to to fulfill our deal. Partnership is you're endorsing our product, and we're backing your claim or cause or product with you. We're coming together with two two backgrounds, two 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 uh, two different environments or like-minded environments and audiences, and we're coming together as a team. Mm-hmm. Now, a lifetime contract, I, I like that's something that very few people get but there's also like he's also connected to the Nike brand for life which is the number one shoe brand in the world yeah wow Uh, Mark would you uh, I have have another that was just a side question would would you like to respond to that in any other way or or, uh, should I move on to the next question I have oh yeah why not yeah definitely I mean when it comes to when it comes to the contract I feel like it's a chess move, but it's a chess move on both sides. I mean, both sides are, of course, benefiting from this. Now, LeBron is the product. Even though it's a partnership, I believe LeBron is a product. So if Nike is going to extend to him that $1 billion lifetime contract, we can ask ourselves, how much did Nike make off of him? So, I mean, just like with the NBA. The NBA has all these players under many different organizations. The NBA brings in a certain amount of revenue, and the players get paid. But how much is the NBA and the owners of these select teams actually making off the players? So I feel like at the end of the day, no matter what, these players are a product. And with this product, there's many people making a lot of money off of them. Even though they're getting a cut of it, in the grand scheme of things, the organization and the corporations are making a killing off compared, with, compared to what, you know, let's say LeBron is getting. So I, I feel like if, if, if they're offering him a $1 billion contract, it's safe to say they made at least five billion. Yep. Because they wouldn't. I mean, and it, I mean, I'm grateful. I'd be grateful to you know get a one billion dollar contract because, like you said, that's generational wealth that you can you can feed you and your family for many years to come. So I feel like us as black people, we don't have the resources and we don't have you know many different things that other other people have. So I feel like in order for us to build, we do have to sign things like that. We do have to you know agree to these partnerships and, and deals because we have nothing to build off of and that provides a platform for us to actually build something with so I wouldn't I wouldn't want to sign a lifetime contract but looking at myself and looking at my family something has to be put together something has to be structured so it would have to be something that might have to get signed mm-hmm. can, can I say that yes sure thing go ahead Mark I think I think what you said was you know something that I, I wanted to I was trying to figure out how how to fit in. You said it perfectly. Got you it. are you are signing for a piece of the pie. You didn't bake the pie. You know, you didn't put the icing on the cake. You you, you didn't you didn't do anything. You're getting a slice of it. A lot of times, these athletes are caught up in hoop dreams and and all these kind of things because they see the LeBron James, they see the Giannis, they see the Steph Curry's. And to get that, and Kev, you have brought this up in the question, like giving up their sense of ownership. Now, they can take that money and go into ownership elsewhere, but it is it is, it is paying for a slice of a much bigger cake. 
Hmm. You're getting paid for money. Like, like the cake is huge. But the question is, yeah, you're going to get a slither here and this person. And when it's done, there's still three quarters of a cake that the whole organization is taking home and putting in their fridge. Like, yeah, this cake is real good. Right. <laughs> and, right. And guess what? We're we're excited and we and we're happy for that for that slice. Yeah. Because that slice is way better than what we had before. Mm-hmm. But I think it's there is going right back to that K through twelve conversation, there's an understanding of structure and identity that we need to have with our young athletes that say, Hey look, remember ownership is the name of the game. Like you, the, the, you may get forty million, forty million dollars to play, play basketball, a sport that you love. But remember, two hundred and fifty million dollars is going to the guy or the gal that owns this place that you are right. playing for. That's yeah. the real money. Yeah. They say, well, millionaire is a millionaire. Yeah, in some sense of the word. But remember, we're getting a slice of a much bigger cake. Absolutely. And I think that's important to remember. It, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. For it, sure. It's so interesting. Because, um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say what I was going to say after. Go ahead. I was just going to say, because I totally was on your side, Kev, about it, you know, when it comes to, you know, why would you sign a lifetime contract when you can make your own brand? Mm-hmm. But if LeBron made his own brand, he might have made, let's say he made a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. But getting a piece of the pie with Nike, he may get $5 billion. Mm-hmm. So it's like, do you want 100% of your own pie or do you want 10% of a huge pie? Mm-hmm. You got to get you got to get the huge pie. You got to get a piece of that. Right. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah. It, it's interesting because um uh back in uh, uh last last uh back in June of last year, um I remember uh we had um our uh our uh, commencement speaker for 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 the junior high for the junior high school graduation at my school come in and uh, she was a very uh, well established and uh, you know well accomplished woman. She owned several businesses um, uh, upon Main Street in Hartford, and she was building a lot of uh, uh, she was renting a lot of spaces in like three or four buildings downtown. And you know she was talking to the students about economic empowerment and you know how they can empower themselves. And then she was like, "Do I have any um, you know do I have any athletes in the house?" And and then like a couple of my students who were on the basketball team with me raised their hand and then she was like she's like how many of you um how many of you young men here today adore and admire lebron james and of course all their hands went up she's like now who would you rather be would you rather be lebron james and make the money that lebron james make or would you rather be the owner of the team who signs his checks and the kids were like i want to be lebron i want to be lebron she was like no 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 i'm gonna try this one more time would you rather be lebron who makes a certain amount of money or would you rather be the owner who signs LeBron's checks and then they were like LeBron LeBron and then she was like tough crowd eh <laughs> and I just I just stood there just shaking my head I said man I failed them I should have told them better than this but it's just interesting though but but seriously guys it's just interesting though that that's the mindset that I, and it goes back to our conversation about uh, athletes and education uh, within K-12 through that that's the mindset that a lot, of a lot of our kids are having that they see the, the glitz and the glamour of our players on the screen and they're not thinking about oh wow there's somebody who's giving LeBron that piece of the pie in regards to what John or Mark said. So I thought I think that's pretty interesting. Well, well, that's a, that's an interesting question to ask kids though, because you're basically saying, do you want to be wealthy or do you want to be rich and famous? Right. Rich and famous mm. is always going to seem a lot better to a kid. Of course, so of course. They, they don't really have a good concept of wealth and you know building something for their family. So I want to be six eight two sixty with with two hundred million dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, like for sure, sure that ain't bad. For sure, for sure. That ain't bad. 
I, I want to I want to keep the conversation pushing. We have about three questions left. Uh, Mark, I'm going to actually start off this with you, uh, and then I'll let John counter. Um, so. Recently, as of uh, 2017, 2018, you know, the Ball family, Lonzo Ball, LeVar Ball, and um, their former business partner started up the Big Baller brand. And, you know, they started, you know, uh, putting out these line of uh, of sneakers, you know, which was, you know, the Big Baller brand's shoes. And, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, famous people or celebrities, you know, were in, in backing of the idea and supporting it because of what, you know, what it was trying to do in terms of, like, how LeVar was trying to map out his vision to revolutionize the game in terms of how he hyped up his son and his talents and paraded him as he came into the league playing for the Lakers as a number as a number two draft right. pick of the 2017 draft. But a question I, I posed to you, Mark, uh, I think it was last week, um, and I think I told you my, um, I told you my, uh, my, uh, not, uh, insecurities isn't the right word, yeah, my disappointments with Zion after he signed signed with Jordan because here I am looking at LeBron and I'm like man if Zion was being courted by Jordan by this why couldn't Zion go out and make his own shoe and then you told me you know what you thought in regards to like you know it's, it's, the, it's the fear of failure and it's the fear of the unknown like who really does that so my question to you both is uh, starting off with Mark first why can't athletes put up capital to start their own shoe lines uh, and merchandise is there a way for them to make this happen in the beginning in order to prosper Mark that's the thing. I mean, is are you talking about before they actually get a contract with the NBA or just starting from zero? Because if they're starting from zero, they're going to need some capital to start, whether that's taking on a partner or you know, someone to fund this venture. Hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's the thing. It's a lack of resources. Hmm. You know, it's like he has the promise of riches, but he, he can't build something if he doesn't have the money yet. And right. it's a gamble on top of that. So right. you've got family and friends looking at him like, take the guarantee. Don't take the gamble. Don't roll mm -hmm. the dice. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you you have to build that foundation. If you screw this up, you're screwing us. You know <laughs> right, I mean? right, right. Mama's going to slap you if you do the stupid thing. <laughs> <laughs> you better take that contract. Yeah. Well, what if, you know what's funny? Go ahead, funny, go ahead. It's funny that you brought up, you know, um, the Ball family mm -hmm. and the way celebrities were backing them and, you know, support black owned businesses mm -hmm. I think that's it's, it, it really angers me you know when I when I see things like that mm -hmm. you know I'm going to support a black owned business I'm going to support this guy because he's black and I'm black as a business owner I don't want any support because I'm black I want support because I have a superior product because Amen. I showed you value mm -hmm. do not give me money because I'm black give me money because of what I'm giving you you mm -hmm. see the value and you're compensating me for that mm -hmm. I think that's a huge insult to say you bought my product because of the color of my skin. Mm. I'm not putting black-owned business on any of my websites or my business pages because that's an insult to me. It's an insult to me because that's a pity purchase. I don't want your pity. I don't, I don't even want your support. I want you to buy it because you know it's great. Mm. So that's what I hated about all these celebrities posting on their, their Instagram and their Facebook. I bought the shoe, black-owned business, black power. Enough of that bull, man. Interesting, interesting. Uh, John, uh, sound off. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I, 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 yeah, that's why I heard you say amen, because at the end of the day, it's about, like, acts, go, I go back to, to, to my guy, like, that I study very much, Warren Buffett. He, he, people spend their time, you know, reading their favorite magazines or cards, but he spends his time reading portfolios. And studying, he doesn't buy a business because they're his friends. He buys a business because it makes sense. Right. And money, money makes sense when we, you know, when the numbers line up 
and when and when the purchase fits what you stand for and who you are. I you know I agree with I agree with, I'm on the line along the lines of Mark is saying like you know don't pity me and and invest in my company because I'm black like you because because we're the same people that get pissed at white people when they stick with their and support their 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 you know sure. their own businesses. We we can't we can't flip the coin when it suits us. And I'm not also saying to not support black businesses. I'm saying support what makes sense. If you believe in what the person is doing, then you support them. Mm-hmm. I believe that there is also a a deprived a, a deprived of uh, uh, mentality, or should I say, I need a better word, but uh, uh, infected mentality that that people in the community have, where you know they believe. And publicize the yeah, I support it, or you know, you know what have you done today, or or, or that, that, all that kind of crap. And I'm like, yeah, yeah guess what? I grind today too, but, but you didn't hear me saying it. But my thing is, if you're going to support them, support them. I mean, and, and question yourself and say, am I really supporting? If I have to say like, like, hey, I, I supported this today, or and then throw it in people's faces, like, no, 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 no. Mm. Like support them because you believe in what their what their product is, what they're offering, their service, who they are, and what they stand for. Because guess what? When it comes to business, the only color that matters is green. Absolutely. And at the, and at the end of the day, if you have if you if, if you if you don't have enough green, none of this stuff means a thing. Yeah. And when you when when you're talking about going back to the question of why don't athletes start their own businesses? I think it's a lack of education. I think they 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 don't know enough to do it, and to, to go along with to, with Mark's point again, I think it's it's too risky because you tell me you don't know enough, and you want to go and start something. Now what happens? You know, and then like Mark said again, you also take it a gamble. What if you get hurt and you're a rookie, still on a rookie contract, and you have to, you, you only play five games. Yeah. But you got a shoe. But you have a shoe company based on the five dunks you did in those five games. Uh, right. What if um, What if you don't? Yeah. What if you don't recover? Wow. Then you Then you're pivoting now, and you now now the shoe company goes under. And you got to figure out how to save your career. Forget about the shoe company. <laughs> you got to figure out how to save your career. <laughs> Forget about the shoes. You wearing whatever shoes you can get. Right. Right. The most important thing is like, look. All right. Let me fix this first. So I'm for athletes going like, hey, sign, sign the contract, you know, get your foot in. And then if you get, and if you get, you know, good at it, you say, you know what, I want to do my own thing. Then you start designs on the side. Like again, you just say, you, when you get out the contract, like, hey, before you jump into another one, so I want to try my foot in here. I'm looking at these designs. Or if you go right to the, the company that gave you the offer and say, look, I want to partner with you after this contract is up. I have some ideas, and I want to bring my brand to the forefront. Yeah. And a lot of times yeah. they're like, they love that creativity, but it is, it's, it's, it's almost, it's very sad to say, like, but, you know, we fall into that, you know, support black businesses mantra because we're constantly in this race battle that says, you know, we don't have enough and we've never been given enough when if we just came together as people, and just help each other out, or just say, "Hey, look, I need your help." Or even if you're not black, like, "Hey, 
I believe in I believe in the support that you're giving to our troops. Here's my donation, or what can I do? Here's my services. But we're so connected to a cause or to a mentality that we forget that it is more important to cause effective change, lasting change, than it is to show that I'm actually trying to do something or trying to make change. Right. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. For sure. Excellent. Uh, I can totally agree when it comes to, uh, you know, the athletes don't have the knowledge and they don't have the network because look at, look, you know, look at the ball, the ball sneaker. It was falling apart. They didn't have the yeah. network for an effective distributor <laughs> or a manufacturer. And yeah. They look like fools. You know, you, yep. you went at it, you opened your own, you started your own shoe, and it's falling apart, man. Now your reputation's destroyed. Who's going to buy another one? And, and, and you know, Hello. like one of the shows at ESPN is the Dan Lebertard show. He made a conscious effort to support. He's not black. He's a Spanish guy from mm-hmm. Miami. He made a conscious effort to support LeVar Ball and what he was doing. He ordered the shoes. Pre-ordered the shoes. They didn't come. He ordered the shoes, and I think at about time eleven or twelve. Okay. They didn't come. They guaranteed to be here in a few weeks. They didn't come until seven months later. Oh, they gave no. him. They gave him a size. Um, I believe it was a ten or something like. They gave him the wrong size. Gave him the wrong, the wrong uh, um, shoe brand, like as in the style of shoe that he ordered. Wow. Oh, and wow. he gave him the wrong color. <laughs> and then, and then on top of it, the, the 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 material was falling apart. Oh, and on and on live television, on ESPN's air, he ripped the shoe apart. He said, "Because I gave you five hundred dollars of my money because I wanted to support what you were doing, and you gave me a subpar product." A lot of the people asking for support. Haven't spent the time in supporting themselves in an effective way to create an effective product to deliver to market. Preach. Absolutely. And they're counting on the dollars and the monies of the people in their community to support them when their dreams aren't supported. They don't support their dreams strong enough. So how are you gonna how are you gonna ask us for help when you haven't even done the, the legwork to support yourself in an effective way? Exactly. Wow. <laughs> Man, I just learned a lot from that. Oh, gosh. Excellent. Um, all right. Uh, so two more questions left, and these final two questions are, are for our final uh, two segments. So these last two segments are going to be kind of short. Um, well, official segments before we head, head to our word to the wise. Okay, so this third segment is Athletes for Activism, and there's only one question for it. Um, Mark, I'll start off with you first. How can athletes stand up to the powers that be in order to have freedom of speech and choice of action? And uh, the 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 second question attached to that is: Are our are are uh, sorry, got a little tongue tied? Are our athletes allowed to have voices? So uh, the, uh, my reason for this question is because we all know what happened uh, over the past few years, what developed with Colin Kaepernick, and uh, what recently resulted as of him, you know, taking uh, the the uh, the tryout and moving it to a school um, that, you know, uh, had connections to African-American history and civil rights and what that did for black people. So him kind of spinning the narrative and taking claiming ownership back in the narrative. So um, so that's the so that's the question right there. How can athletes stand up to the powers that be in order to have freedom of speech and choice of action? And are our athletes allowed to have voices? Mark. Well, 
Yeah, that's a tough one because as long as someone signs your check, you can't say what you want. Because, you know, that that when someone employs you, they have power over you. They have the power to sign your check, to sign your contract, to basically they hold the they're the gatekeeper to your income. So you you will have to abide by their rules unfortunately. You know, because you are backing their like you are a face of their brand, of their organization. And um, if I even if I worked at McDonald's, I can't say whatever I want to the customers. I can't I can't fight you know fight for my cause at work you know because I know some things can get you fired, some things can get your your contract terminated or you may lose an endorsement. So you know as long as you're accepting you know payment from people, I don't believe you have your own voice. And even if even if you own your own business, you still can't say what you want to say because there will be financial ramifications. If you're fighting for a certain cause and you own your own business, you may lose a customer base because of that opinion. So I feel as long as you're, as long as you want to make money, you will have to have a filter because you know, voicing your opinion will 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 affect your pocket. John, I I agree and disagree. I would say that yes, you are I, I, there is. You have to respect your employer, and you have to respect, you know, the rules and guidelines. I do agree that you can't come, you can't come to work, you know, spitting your views as law, as fact, and and, and and you know, and expecting not expecting controversy. I think, I still think we have a voice though, and I think it has to be done. It's the way you go about delivering it is the key in certain organizations because there's nuances that allow you to say, okay, cool, I'm not slandering the organization. I'm not, you know, I'm not attacking anybody that employs me. Um, I'm going speaking on specific, my specific beliefs. We spoke about Colin Kaepernick. It is in, it's not, it is in the San Francisco, I have to find the information out. Don't quote me on this. I want to make sure I have this right, but something in the San Francisco 49ers laws where he said, you know, you have to be out, you have to be outside. You have to, you have to respect the, the anthem. Mm-hmm. If you're outside, you have to respect the anthem. And he was given it, and he sat down, and he wasn't going to get fined or anything like that because he had, he was there. And you have to be outside. But then, you know, when another player came to him and asked him, a, a veteran, or like, a, a, excuse me, a retired player came to him and said, hey, look, um, excuse me, a veteran came to him and said, hey, look, I need you, you know, I just want to know why you just talk to me. I understand that you have, and he said, well, because of the oppression that has happened to African Americans and minorities in the community and the police brutality, I cannot stand for an anthem that does not respect the people I represent. And the guy said, okay, I, I, you know what, I understand that. But if you could do me a favor, you do not have to stand and put your hands to your heart, but it's, you know, just don't sit. Maybe you kneel and take a stand. He gave him that idea. And the, the person actually wow. was white. And the person was actually white. And he said, gave him the idea, and out of respect, he said, look, I'm not going to tell you that. I'm not going to tell you what to do and what not to do. I'm asking for as a veteran that we fought for this country and we fought for your right to do this. I just want to ask you that you do this in, in, a, in, a, more, in a more peaceful way. And he guess what? A black man and a white man came together on a conclusion. A player 
and came together with a conclusion on an effective way to do it. And guess what? It and it worked. Now the subsequent uh, uh, aftermath, the aftermath of all that stuff, is where I have an issue. I believe that it turned into a spectacle. I believe that there were there there wasn't enough uh, action taken after he took the stance. He took the consistent. He he got some of his books. And some of the some of the players were holding on to their shoulders, saying, "I support you. I can I do not understand. I'm white. I'm Spanish. I, I'm, I'm I'm this. And I don't understand, but I support you." And they had their hands on their shoulders. And then, because it became a spectacle, and Middle America started to to get angry and say, "You know, he's disrespecting the flag." And and even veterans were, you know, you know, ignorant veterans were talking about, "Hey, you know, I fought for this country, not for you to kneel." And but the other veterans were saying, "Hey." I he fought for the very for him to have the very right to do that, mm. and he has to he has every right to choose to take a stand there. But right. to Mark's point, if you are in an organization that does not like to take political stand, then you cannot do that, mm. and 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 you cause your problem, you cause risk. But do you have you do have the freedom? You do have the freedom of speech, Adam, because I don't believe he wasn't speaking in reference to the 49ers organization. They treated him well, and they, they treated him with respect, but ultimately, because of the backlash and the things that happened in the media, they had they had to let him go because it was it was distracting them from, from winning. Let's not forget that he took them he took them to a Super Bowl. Yeah, like and 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 that has nothing to do with skill. Now, we, if we go to present day, I would say this: I believe he has. It has gone too far, and it's not and it's not enough correct action, and it's not enough uh, uh, cohesion. There's not enough unity to actually solve the problem. I think what we, what what he's doing is just shouting about the problem a lot. But I, now I need all right. Let's work with the NFL to work with these different organizations to stop police brutality. I think that you know. But in regards to, to, to the, 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 the workout, he, I've heard, I've seen it firsthand, I've heard it firsthand, where, you know, people like Stephen A., where he's spoken to Stephen A., people have spoken to Stephen A. and said, hey, you know, will you help us get back to the league? We want back in. And he said, okay. And different people went on behalf of him. And now, you know, and then something, something transpired where the NFL tried to put in the agreement that, all right, you can no longer sue us. Because he sued him already, and he got paid. Mm-hmm. He got his reparations for, for whatever happened. But the thing is, if you choose to do that, are you, you know, you cannot alienate your your organization, which he somewhat did, but he didn't directly do it. And you cannot, and you, and you can't, you have to be, it has to be done in a strategic way that allows the opening for the organization to help you in your stand if it's not directly pointing at them. This wasn't directly pointing at them. This was pointing at the American government. And he should part. He should have partnered with the NFL to help. Like, hey, I'm not going to stand, but I, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop kneeling because we have taken taken action. The NFL and I have taken action. To 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 address police brutality against minorities. Right. I'm no longer going to deal. That would have gave him his job back. Yeah. 
that that would have that would have that would have got him back in and got his his cause achieved. But again, we we're speaking from the outside in. Yeah, we don't know what actually has been said. They may have said, "Look, you're never getting back in." True. Yeah, we don't know. You don't. You, you know. You you attack. You know. I. You know. All of our owners. You know. Don't believe that you are a good look for the league because you took a stance against. You know. You know Donald Trump, and and, and guess what? One of the richest owners in the power, one of the powerful Jerry Jones, was somebody who contradicted himself, spoke up against it. I would not have any of my players kneel. And then what did he do? He went on the field, locking arms with all of them, and kneeled. So it's like one of the. It, so it's like there is a. There has to be a specific way that you do it. I agree that you don't come in there and trying to, to alienate yourself from an organization in in a direct way. But there's if you want your thing, you know, there has to be a way for you to partner with them. Stop bringing attention to the action to 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 the. Bring attention to the cause by changing the action. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. Wow. <laughs> that was excellent, man. No, for sure. I, I, I really like your perspective. Um, yeah. That that sounds really good. So we're going to leave it right there for that one, all right? And we're going to go into our final, final segment, which is athletes post-career. So before I pose this question, I want to mention to you guys very briefly about... um. Uh, an interview I saw with Kobe. Um, I'm not going to say which interview it was. I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't spot it. So don't quote me. But I remember Kobe saying something along the lines like, you know, his, you know, his the game that he played, um, the final game he played, um, where he uh, he tore his Achilles when the Lakers were um, on the quest for a playoff uh, spot back in uh, the 2013 season, he said when he, when he tore his Achilles at the time, he, he, he kind of knew what it was. Like he knew, he had a feeling, he had a strong feeling that it was Achilles. And he said the first, and I think I m- mentioned this before um, a couple, uh, yeah, like about eight, ten, ten episodes ago with uh, the homie Cass Sinatra when he was on the show. But um, basically, you know, he said the first thing he thought of when he when when it, when he tore his Achilles wasn't, oh, when am I going to get back on the court? When am when am I going to you know resume my career representing this prestigious organization that is the Lakers? The first thing he thought is, man, like if my career ended today, like what else do I have? I'm done. I've been putting so much time into basketball that I haven't begun to think about any other you know of any other things or endeavors post career that I could possibly get myself into or align with so he said as a result of that like he used the time you know that two like that year and a half or two year period where he was you know constantly you know going through rehab and you know and re-injuring himself and all that stuff to kind of set up or get a head start on setting up his post career plans so I say I say all that to say you know I think that's very important and um, I think it's a profound thing that going back to the talk about athletes and education K-12 through a lot of our kids need to be aware of of and be mindful of. So my final question for you all today, this is the last question of the of the show this evening is um are athletes being prepared to have a life post playing career? If not, what plan of action can be implemented in order to make this happen? John, I'm actually going to start you uh, start off with you first because I want you to get the last word on our word to the wise segment. So, are athletes being prepared to have a life post playing career? If not, what plan of action can be implemented in order to make this happen? I believe there are several programs within organizations like the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, um, the major ones, to um, educate athletes on how to manage their money, how what to do after the career. Some of the, you know, one of the go-to's is going to broadcasting, talking about the 
sport that they have played for so long and give fans an inside look or knowledge into what it takes or what that what's happening as they're watching. Mm-hmm. That's that's the famous one that a lot of athletes like to go into as a as a backup plan. Um, you know, a lot of athletes like for example, Devin George. Ever, anybody remember Devin George used to play for the Lakers? He was Kobe's backup. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He he actually started a nonprofit and went back into into and helping people with housing and things like that. His backup plan was was something that he was thinking about uh, thinking about for a while for years and has nothing to do with basketball. I think you know for those when if say for example you don't fit into the designed programming for that you know the major sports entities set up for post um, career you know uh, plans then you know there's always you can always become an entrepreneur that's my first thing that I think of I think of all the time and said you know we should the world thrives this okay let's think of let's think about the world let's think about our country this country derives on in capitalism and, and, and buying and they reward you for having a business and for, for making money and doing things effectively, for owning things, for owning land, owning property, owning you know, businesses, there's a reward and there's a break, tax break for those things. And I think that players that have so much money when they're playing need to be educated of this on a regular basis, but they need to start, the second they get drafted and they get the contract, at least, at least the, the people in the first round, at least the players in the first round, they need to already have be starting to plan. The second you get drafted, it's the second you start planning for the end. Because you don't want anything to be surprised. You don't want to come up because because here's the thing. We would all like for the end to be when you have a 20-year career, you have a farewell tour, tour <laughs> and you know everybody claps as you walk out the building. But the truth of the matter is that's only for a select few and you might fade out in year five. So you need to have a plan from inception that can take you through to the rest of your life. And you need to utilize, you need to be taught, you know, addition to the programming of broadcasting and maybe um, corporate that, you know, some players go into a lot, um, sports management, player management, player development. There's, There's so many different options that they can go into as athletes, but those are two to dip back into our earlier conversation, those are pieces of the pie that they don't own. If you effectively want to be, and you want to be around basketball and you don't want to own and you know that for a fact, then that is perfect for you. But if you know that, okay, when I'm done, I want to be done and I don't want to deal with this anymore, then you need to understand that you need to find something that, that allows you to separate yourself and be a fan. Because a lot of players want to be a fan. Kobe, he's at the point where he's like, you know what, I just want to be a fan now. I have my daughter, she's playing, and, you know, I'm a coach, and I'm a fan of the game. And he has businesses and and, and ventures that allow him to remain close to the game, but nevertheless do what he wants to do, do what he always wanted to do. Players need to realize and understand what they want to do, what they need to do, and what is mandatory for them to achieve the financial freedom that they were given when they signed a $10 million contract a $40 million contract, the financial freedom that comes with that and to be able to sustain that. That sounds excellent. Mark, what's your thoughts? 
Yeah, definitely. I um, I definitely think that you know there should be programs in place to you know learn learn financial education. But the only thing about that is you know, like they say, you can you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force them to drink. You can make these athletes take as much classes as as you like, but you cannot force their habits. You know what I mean? You cannot force the way someone spends their money. They're going to do what they want to do. And that's why we have this, this beautiful economy that we have today. You know, it's a, it's a consumer-based economy. And the majority of Americans do overspend. They buy things they can't afford. And they, they put their money into to things that don't hold value. I mean, in, in reality, you know, like, like, this, like John said, I mean, the American tax code was designed for landowners and business owners. I say this all the time. So working for money is the worst way to make money because it's taxed at the highest rate. If these athletes were put onto this information, they would begin investing in passive income producing assets from the jump. But it's just a lack of interest. They're not focused on money. If you're if you're a basketball player, you're not worried about money, you're worried about being the best basketball player you can be. You're in the gym eight, nine hours a day. When does this athlete have time or energy to actually you know, divert their attention from what they love and say, okay, let me let me get into my studies and actually learn how money works. That that's it's, it's just almost impossible to get all these athletes on that track to say, let me focus on money when you have all these coaches telling you focus on that basketball. So it's it's really tough to say we need to implement programs, we need to implement classes. It's it's I don't want to say it's not going to work, but I mean it's not going to work. You know, you, you're telling, I mean, there's going to be a certain percentage of athletes that do succeed with money, but there's a reason why 80 to 90% of these players go broke. They're focusing on that round basketball. They're not focusing on the dollars. They're burning the dollars. So I really I really don't know because, you know, you can't, you can't force your ideology onto people. And if you grow up in a situation where there is no money, when someone hands a bag of it to you, you're going to blow it. You're going to blow it because you don't know any better. Mm. And you also think, okay, I'm, I've just got dropped into the league. Man, I know I've got at least seven, eight years, so I'm going to blow this first contract and I'll get the other one. And you never get it because your leg blows out. Your knee blows out. You were counting on that next contract, but, you know, your, your knees just went bad, Greg Oden. You know what I mean? I'm sure when he got drafted, Man, he, we thought he was going to be a phenom, but yeah. those knees just didn't hold up. Wow. And it's just tough because you can't, you can't predict that type of stuff. You're going off a dream. You know, when, when you're healthy, you know, you feel like nothing can stop you. You're not thinking, man, I might blow my knee out in three years, like when D. Rose blew his, his knee out. No one saw that coming. I'm sure he felt like, like a god, you know, 40-inch vertical, doing everything, you know, his body could do, running as fast as lightning. And then one day he just fell to the ground. You know, it's, you can't predict that kind of stuff, man. And it's tough because when you focus on that basketball, you're not focused on the money. You're just trying to get better. Mm. So, but Mark, let me ask you a question though. Yep. What do you? So what do you? What, what do you say about to the LeBron Jameses of the world or the Andre Iguodala's, for that matter, who took who got their got their money, and and I, I say those two those two players specifically because one is at the height of the game and one is just, you know, he's a role player. But right. it is effective, like, is it has as, almost as much money as Steph. 
because of his investment. Absolutely, and I would say that's an anomaly, you know, because we we said 80, I don't know the exact percentage, but what is it, 80% of athletes go broke by the time they retire? Something like that? Yeah, 80 or 90. Yeah. So that, that other 10 to 20, they will be the anomalies. They will, you know, have a focus on their money, or maybe they ran into a mentor that really sat them down and said, listen, you have to get a control over your money. You have to do this. You have to do that. Because you can have good intentions, and if someone brings forth the wrong investment opportunities, you can blow your money too. You can have excellent financial habits, and if you listen to the wrong financial advisor, he could blow your portfolio. So you can you can get screwed doing the right thing and the wrong thing. That's true. Because I forgot there was a few, I forgot uh, which athlete it was, but he lost millions just investing in the wrong things, just investing in the wrong wrong areas in real estate and, and the, the wrong stocks. People trying to, I mean, it's, it's tough, man, because when a financial advisor comes up to you and you don't know anything about money, his words sound so sweet, you, you'll do anything he says. <laughs> but he's getting that, that 1% fee off your portfolio. He's risking your money, not his. So it's, it's tough because there's a conflict of interest. A guy in a nice suit saying words that aren't even in your vocabulary, man, you'll be ready to put the money on the table. You know, if you're an athlete that has no idea what's going on, you're trusting the white guy, essentially. I agree. Lot, I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's tough. It's so tough, man. I just, I think, I, I, that's, and that's what I'm saying, like, I agree with you. You cannot, you can't force anybody to do it. Yeah. But right. I know for a fact that you'll get hit with, well, well, the NBA needs to provide, or the MLB or NFL needs to provide the information because you know you know we don't have it and, and then you know they could argue and say well we gave you the money you do whatever you want with it but I right. think like I think I think that I still feel like there's a responsibility on an organization to hand them the information or whatever they do with it is their business but like because I feel like it doesn't benefit well and, and it can benefit the organization because you get you continue to have them employees you know to have them be employees, but when you're talking about the intangible things like morale, respect, and those things that keep customers coming back, right? A lot of those, like for example, you know, I'm an NBA. I love the NBA, so I, I spoke NBA. When I see the amount of people that's like, you know, well, and I've spoken to several NBA players, and like, yeah, yeah, they, you know, they help you get into, you know, you know, broadcasting and looking at this. You know, for example, Paul Pierce. Mm-hmm. Paul Pierce was saying, like, hey, you know, you know, I was I was thinking about it, but you know, I you know, I wasn't like wasn't gonna be into it. And now look, he's an analyst on Jump and the Countdown, and he's and you know, he's more a reserved person. He's a reserved guy, but right. the opportunities was presented. And he had, he, of course, he made money, but there comes a point where like the information was given, and he said, you know what, maybe he wasn't gonna try it. But then he ended up trying it. Now you know we go back to that setting up generational wealth. Most of what they say, and I think it's and to your point. I think it's all a choice. Like when you you can choose, you can. It's your choice to choose whether you want to do this or not. I just feel like you know we should at least, we should we should continue to give them the option, and if they choose to do it, then, hey. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because uh, the NBA now they have for their rookie program, they do have a class, you know, teaching financial literacy and stuff like that. But um, I'm, I'm sure those a lot of those young guys are they're thinking about everything but financial literacy. Oh, yeah. They're thinking about the basketball. So <laughs> it's tough, man. Yeah, or where they're going after practice. Absolutely, 
amount of distractions that are in place once you hit professional sports, the women, the money, the, the cars, the clothes. I mean, it's hard to focus on building wealth when you're getting thrown bags of money. But that's on... No, I, I completely... I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. But that's on a, like... I want to say that that is... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I would say... I don't know. I'm I'm curious... I would think that that would be the subliminal intention, though, right? Of the of of the NBA as an organization, and just like all of the teams, like they know, like a lot of these young guys will just be focused on having fun, having a good time, playing basketball. That they won't really be, you know. And I don't just mean the NBA. I mean like you know their agents, whoever's into their pockets and helping them out, whatever, whatnot. That's why they subliminally, in a way, have them focused, you know, on playing basketball, right? Because if I'm not really checking to see how my pockets is looking, then I'm not really going to go about securing my financial future, right? Which is why the NBA, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, John, I know you're very close to it, maybe you know better than me, uh, or the NCAA uh, has, uh, you know, ha- has a certain sort of kind of a, uh, I don't want to say bias, but approach or mindset when it comes to a guy like rich paul like oh wow like he's really you know uh, these guys agents are he's he's informing them of sound decisions what to do what to make i, I don't know what what do you think about that no i think i uh, no, i do think there is like there's a stigma but i, I think it's because of traditionalism right you know certain people do this and everyone else there's certain jobs and positions for people to do this and that. right and i think when somebody does something out of the norm that it ruffles it ruffles some feathers and it rubs people the wrong way because people are you know you know a lot of times against change because they feel like what what's happening is working when right. it may not work for everyone but when somebody comes and effectively changes the game like how he's doing and what they're doing and pulling athletes away from big big you know big agents and and all those things like that and big organizations then you start then you start to cause a problem it's flash that they're that they're not they 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 laughed at them right when uh the four horsemen uh lebron randy maverick and rich started uh L- lrmr like you know just like their whole enterprise of yep. you know, like they 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 couldn't but, but now they're seeing it now they're seeing the 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 labor that they put into it they're seeing the fruition they're they're seeing it come into fruition and how that's like like you said it's it's uh it's uh it's subvert it's it's subverted the traditionalism like it's, it's throwing it off course and now they're seeing like a whole brand new thing that they haven't seen before like in the jordan era or in the magic and bird era of the 80s right that's true. wow i think um i mean it was it was funny when they i believe you sent me the article kev when um they implemented that rule about having a college degree to, to be an agent or something yeah like that, yeah yeah that was hot over the summer yeah after mm-hmm. it was just so interesting because it's like you said i mean they they want to either dismantle this or make sure it never happens again. Yeah, and yeah. it makes it makes perfect sense. And I mean, you you really don't want that shift of power happening if you're owning a, a corporation or a business, man. You don't want that power going to the people. So, you know, I I don't think that's the end. It's only the beginning of of ways that they're gonna look to gain more control over the players and these different, uh, you know, just these athletes and their teams. So uh, it's, it's it's interesting, but, I mean, you can't control something you don't own, and, and the NBA stands on its own, so they're going to make sure that they keep the power. Very true indeed. 
Well, I want to, man, this has been a good one. I want to uh, transition to our final segment of the day, Word to the Wise, all right? Uh, John, I previously told you about it earlier, so Word to the Wise is our segment where we provide one word to our audience, to the wise community out there, and then we expand upon that word and we give a reason as to why we provided that word as a choice of action or as a form of support and mentorship to them. Um, so, uh, Mark, I'll go first today if, if that's okay with you. Um, I'll allow you to go after me. Oh, yeah, and then, John, since you since you are our coveted guest, we'll allow you to go last to formulate your thoughts on which word you want to choose, all right? Um, so, okay. so my word today, my word to the wise for today would be explore, you know? And I'm gearing this towards uh, the athletes themselves, the young student athletes in school, uh, due to the fact that I'm a teacher um, and, a, and, an, and an educator. Uh, my background as an educator, I want to speak exactly to the students and as well as their parents. Explore. Explore your options. Explore your options in, in academics. Explore your options uh, from young. Uh, I think John t- talked about it earlier, you know, um, you know, in regards to the uh, question of do parents in the community make the mistake of putting athletics before, ac- uh, before academics? And then he said yes and no. In the sense that no, they don't because it it expands their mind. It allows them to you know to to, to you know it allows the students to to ex- experiment to talk to kids that they normally wouldn't get a chance to talk to. But also, he said no in the sense that you know it's important that you know uh, you don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know you could you know you could spread some of the eggs and you know in a basket and that works because your plan B usually ends up becoming your plan A any, anyway. So for that in itself, I would just say explore, explore as a child you know who eventually becomes a student athlete. Explore as a student athlete in college, and then when you get into uh, the NBA, at the end of the day, who's really going to look out for you? Uh, but you know yourself, whether it be any type of professional sports, you know, um, and that goes for everyone in all ranges, or whether it be swimming, uh, um, you know, Olympic uh, skydivers, you name it, you know, whatever. Just explore, explore all your options, educate yourself, learn, and figure out what exactly might be the best move for you, because you want to make sure that when you know it's all said and done, and your career is over with, that you're living comfortably and you're profiting off of, you know, your likeness, what you've done um, throughout the course of your career. And at the end of the day, you're happy. You're happy with, with your moves. You're happy with how you're living. You're happy with family. And you're ultimately happy with God for guiding you in all the decisions that were to come. So explore. Mark? Gotcha. That was a great one. Um, I'll go with diversify. Not just with your investments, but diversify with your knowledge. Um, if you're a basketball player, of course, you're going to focus all of your energy towards basketball, but also, you know, explore the other things that come with basketball, such as the money. You, you want to learn how money works. Uh, I was always taught with investing that if you don't control the investment, it's not your money. So when you have athletes, and trust me, I'm sure it's exchanging millions of dollars, but if you have athletes that are turning their money over to a financial advisor and he's controlling the money, you gave it away. I mean, I mean, even Tim Duncan a few years ago, he realized that his financial advisor stole over, I believe he said, $50 million? Something, something like that. Like that. Yeah. It was something crazy. So you're handing all of your money over to that handsome guy in the suit, and you don't know what the hell he's doing because you haven't diversified your knowledge. He's giving you all of these vocabulary words that you've never heard before, and it sounds so sweet. You just sign the money over to him. He knows you have no knowledge, so he's going to play you. So uh, you want to you want to you diversify your knowledge. So when that financial advisor is spitting that jargon at you, you have a good understanding on what he's saying, because it's very easy to get you know lost in the translation of things. You just you're trying to, you think you know what that word means, or you think you know what he's talking about, but he's really about to burn your money. 
And uh, even a smart guy like Tim Duncan lost out on uh, many millions of dollars by trusting someone else with your money. So don't trust people with your money. You know, take that money into your own control. Learn how to invest. Learn how money works. And, uh, you know, get going, man. Take control of your life. You can't have every, you can't delegate everything. So I'll go with that. Diversify. Excellent. I loved it. Uh, and, John, what's your word uh, to the wise for today? Well, words for the wise is structure. Um, nothing comes together without a plan, and no plan is executed without, you know, flawless commitment. I think structure is important because regardless of what you get into, what sports you play, what business you get into, if there is no structure, it will not be successful. I think that the most important thing in your structure has to be whether you're K through 12, whether you're in, you're in college or whether you're in the NBA is you have to you have to structure your income, you have to structure where your money goes, and you have to structure what you get into, what you explore, as you would say, Kev. And, and, and you structure your information, you diversify what you were saying, Mark. And I think when you put all those things together in an effective structure, you not only set yourself up to win, you set the generation after you to win. Because now, with your structure comes a blueprint. There's a plan. There's a person that did it that was successful so that they know that that is evidence and that is fact and there's no possibility. The possibilities are endless because you've seen somebody else do it. And with that structure comes the understanding of, all right, here are the steps to achieve. This is not just a dream anymore. It's now a goal. So now with the structure, your dreams go from dreams to goals. And in between that is the plan and the focal plan that you've seen others do that have been tested and tried and, and, and put against, you know, the rigorous test to help you as an athlete, as an entrepreneur, as an individual succeed in an effective manner and, 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 and to gather the information to put together, not just for yourself, but for, for your children, for your children's children. And then that, that opens up the door for generational wealth because it's about... If you can think about it, it's about you now. You can think about it, it's about basketball, football, baseball, or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, when you cannot play those sports, and when you're no longer the star, what will you have? Kevin, you brought up the, 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 the Kobe Bryant, you know, what do I have if I don't have basketball? And the question is, the answer to that is, you still have your brain, and if you did it right, you still have your structure. Wow. Gentlemen, I think this is one of the few words, words to the wise where all the words like just flow together like so good. I really, really liked all your words from explore to diversify and structure. I think all of them play a part into a foundation. Um, but uh, yeah, man, John, honestly, Mark and I, we, want, we really want to thank you for coming on today, man. This was excellent. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, man. This was like a... Thank you so much for having me. No, for sure. This was like a college lecture, man. This was really, really good. I really hope athletes out there really get a chance to hear this one. John, before we let you go, could you please be sure to, um, you know, let the WISE community know out there how to reach you? Um, and also, uh, also, we want to make sure that, you know, they're able to, you know, leave comments, you know, and to DM you personally and to message you to let you know what they thought about the episode. So could you share your socials and as well as any other information on how to reach you? Well, on, on Facebook, I'm John McLeod. That's J-O-N-M-C-L-E-O-D. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Mr. Outwork You. So that's M-R-O-U-C-W-O-R-K-Y-O-U. Mr. Outwork You. And then on um, Twitter, I am um, uh, 
uh, John McLeod underscore ESPN. Um, so you, you can reach me at, at those handles. Um, you know, I'm, I'm also use social media, you know, just to just to see what the rest of the world is doing and to to help use it for business purposes. But I'm always open to talking with anybody that's interested in to hear a story from a crazy guy that likes to work hard. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I love it. I love it. Uh, Mark, any last things you want to add or? No, I mean I think we covered everything. Yeah, awesome. for sure, for sure, definitely. It was great speaking with you, man. For sure. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you guys. No, for sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, uh, before you go though, John, we're gonna make sure we close out. But I just wanted to say, wise community out there. Again, this podcast is available right now on Apple Podcast. I just got news uh, the other day that it's also available on Google Podcast. So, yeah, shout out to Google. So, Google Podcast as well. Uh, Apple, Google, uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, and wherever uh, audios in the podcast form can be found. Also, please, please, please be sure to leave us a review on this episode. Uh, and as well as just the first season in general, uh, we've been getting a lot of feedback from you all and we want to continue to push that momentum. All right. And, you know, so that way we can, you know, continue to see what we need to do, um, how we can possibly improve and also to have guests such as John, you know, continue to come back and to share with us because honestly, every single episode in which we bring our guests are tailored towards the topic itself. So that way not only are we giving you uh you know great wise words but the guests due to the fact that they have experience in that field they're giving you you know more wise you know words and gems and quotables that you can add to your life all right um so yeah this is it so next week's episode episode 18 is called good kid mad city and we have a really really cool cool guest coming on the show um a young kid that's uh doing astounding things from Brooklyn, New York as well, East New York, and he's currently pursuing his uh, master's in educational policy um, at uh, uh, yeah, UAlbany. Um, and yeah, that's going to be a really, really, really good episode. Uh, but yeah, so that's where we will leave you all with today, all right? So as I said at the beginning of the podcast, this is your boy, Kevin Unglad. And we are joined by our very, very special guest, And we are the Wise Guys Podcast. We'll see you all next week. Stay wise.